Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Here in the past few weeks of uh, preaching and teaching, uh, whenever we uh, guests spoke for uh, the revival down in Maryville, Tennessee, uh, it was just me here and Brother Alex and my wife had come that day. There was just three of us. Didn't have no special song. There was no worship service here that took place. And so I just kind of got up and just preached. And uh, the best way that I could explain that would be like this. You know those slip and slides that kids can get in the summertime? You run water on and they they can hit that and slide down it. It's kind of like hitting a slip and slide before the water ever hits it. And uh, so I'm very much so appreciative of, of these folks. Uh, worship and music and things of that nature certainly does help aid set a tone uh, for the word of the Lord. Amen. Zechariah chapter number one and uh, starting with verse number one. The Bible says in the eighth month, the second year of Darius came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah the son of Idu, the prophet, saying. So he kind of gave us a little short genealogy, Zechariah. Saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. A lot of emphasis here on the Lord of hosts. I want to minister this uh, to us here this evening. Uh, online uh, these simple words you're not forgotten that may not make a whole lot of sense to you right now just with the three verses that I read in your hearing but I hope with the help of the Lord before it's all said and done that uh, he'll grant us understanding for that for that title here tonight you are not forgotten amen father we come to you here this evening we're so grateful Lord again God as I always try to make a point, Lord, to express my gratefulness of being in the house of the Lord. And, Lord, my gratefulness, the Lord, for being able to share from the word of the Lord. God, in these pages, the Lord is life. God, these are the words that speak of you. I pray, oh God, give us, Lord, adequate words right now. God, mark every bit of air from my mouth, from my mind. Help me, Lord, to share and express what the word of the Lord is saying to us tonight. We know the Bible says the Spirit speaketh expressively, God, and we want to hear, Lord, what the Spirit is saying, Lord, tonight, God, for our souls and for our lives. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. God bless you tonight in the name of Jesus. You are not, you are not forgotten. In all reality, this evening, as individuals, as humanity, our, our observation is limited in many respects to the sight of our eyes and the hearing of our ears. For that matter, our observation many times is determined by those things that 
Uh, we can only see and hear that is near to us. Those things that are set at a distance from us are more difficult to observe, more difficult to hear, more difficult to see. I'm sure if we had uh, someone that was a police officer here tonight, they could probably tell us the stories of taking the accounts of eyewitnesses of an accident or whatever the case may be and how all of those things could perhaps differ, but no doubt those that were nearer to where the incident took place, maybe having a better handle on what actually took place, what was seen and what was heard. But we are oftentimes at a disadvantage because those things near to us uh, is the lens that we look through. It's the lens that we hear through. The Bible in 1 Kings chapter number 17, with all of that in mind, tells us of the story of a widow, the Bible says, of the land of Zarephath, who cannot get beyond her own personal observation. She cannot get all over what she is seeing and hearing that is near to her. According to her estimation, she understands what she is contending with in her moment. She has just a handful of meal that is in a barrel and a little oil that is in a cruise. That is her reality. That is what is near to her and close to her. So she's having a little bit of conflict, a little controversy within herself when the man of God, Elijah, shows up and she hears what the man of God is saying, how that if she would make him a little cake first, then all would be well. The meal would stay and the oil would not diminish. But she's having problems in this moment because according to what she can observe in that time, what she sees and what she can observe in front of her is a far cry difference than what she hears the prophet, the man of God saying. She's having difficulty because she cannot deny what she is seeing right Right in front of her, the dilemma, the plight of her and her boy. Likewise, the New Testament scripture gives us other stories of a similar fashion where people cannot get beyond what they are observing. They cannot get beyond their here and now and what is happening. The Bible speaks that there was a servant who comes uh, to Jarius with updated news about his 12-year-old daughter, who the Bible said was in a point of dying. She was in the process of dying. Her condition, though now, has progressed from just one of dying to the fact that she is dead. He comes bearing the news to them, comes bearing the news even unto the Lord concerning this master, uh, this matter. Jarius had went to get the Lord's help, to get the Lord's aid. But now that her condition is one that's went from dying to dead, the, the words that are spoken in the New Testament Scripture is this. He says, trouble not the master. In other words, since she isn't on her way to dying, but she's now dead, there's really no sense in troubling the Lord. There's really no sense in getting his attention or having him come or letting him into the room. Just don't trouble the master. And yet the Bible says, whenever Jesus hears those words and that phrase that was spoken, that they need not trouble the master, he simply tells them, it is no trouble. 
trouble, she will live. Can you imagine how they were warring within themselves those words from the master that that girl that was dying is now dead shall live. How they were warring within themselves conflicted because they saw what they saw. They seen what they saw. Here's a servant that's been there in the room in the area where this girl has been struggling for her life as others were there observing what was taking place in his mind he's saying to himself no doubt I've seen the corpse I've seen her her lips turn blue upon her face I heard the last uh, the last breath escape her lungs there's silence there's quieted respiration there the palpitation of the heart the pulse is gone she's dead and yet the word that comes to them she shall live he had a hard time no doubt accepting that because he was observing what was near to him what was close to him what his present circumstances were I do declare tonight that we are probably living in some similar times where people in your homes right now you're just limited by all the reports that you are hearing your observation of the news and the hearing of the news even on the radio you're limited by your current surroundings by the current circumstances there may be others sitting in their homes this evening that are held hostage by what they're seeing going on in the world or what's happening in all of our lives right now the only news it would seem for the most part that we are hearing is bad news that's what's close to us that's what's near to us that is our current reality it's all around us every day when we wake up and before we go to bed at night it seems to be unchanged it's the same old same old this is our present reality and as a result of that that is the way then that we interpret life for the moment but if we're not careful we'll even allow our present reality to try to interpret life for the future It's hard to get beyond that because observing the here and now. But just like the Lord spoke over that 12-year-old girl that she would live. And just like Elijah said, the meal's going to stay and the cruise of oil's not going to be consumed. I want you to know today that it's not always going to be as it is right now. It might be the thing that's near to us and close to us and how we are observing it right now. But don't you dare allow that to interpret and color it you will the future that's beyond all of this when it's all said and done don't you allow that to color what is yet to come somewhere somewhere God has an Elijah like the Old Testament scripture when he and his servant were together and Elijah had caused his servant to go looking and hearing for something that wasn't close to them but to go look and listen for something that was in the distance. See, according to their certain plight in the Old Testament Scripture, according to their observation, what they were seeing and hearing around them, their land was telling them that they were in a drought. Their land was telling them that they hadn't had rain for quite some time. Their observation and surroundings were telling them that it was very quite possible that they were close to death and near to death. Dry riverbeds, creeks were drying up, 
the vegetation all around them no doubt was wilting there were rotting corpse of livestock on the left hand and on the right they looked quite famished there were fresh graves that littered the ground here and there because there was drought that's what they could observe that's what they knew that's what they had an idea about but somewhere along the way God had spoke to Elijah and he says listen here Elijah I need you to listen for and look for something that's beyond where you're presently at I want you to send that servant and I want you to tell that servant go and look for something in the sky because Elijah says I hear something I hear the sound of the abundance of rain I know the ground is parched underneath my feet but in the distance I hear a sound servant go and look what you can see at a distance I know what right here and now is telling me but there's something out there There's something out there in the distance we need to be looking for. We need to be listening for. What is it? What is it, servant? The Bible says evidently that Elijah had tapped into something that was beyond what he could presently observe in his surroundings. I hear the sound. He sent the servant. The servant came back. What do you see, servant? I don't see anything. I just see dead trees, dried rivers, <laughs> Woo! parched ground. I don't see anything. He says, go back. Go back and look again. Come back again, nothing. I see dead corpse of animals. <laughs> I see, if you will, a lack of water, nothing. He says, go back seven times. He sent his servant to go look. And on the seventh time, the Bible says that the servant came back to Elijah. And he says, I see a little cloud like a man's hand over there yonder in the distance. Can I tell you tonight, just because we're observing what we're observing right now, let it not, if you will, cloud our vision for what might be beyond. Amen. For what we might be listening for beyond. It didn't look like rain, but it was going to rain according to the man of God. The Bible speaks in the word of the Lord concerning the servant Job. The Job never charged God foolishly. He never charged God foolishly, but he rightly surmised his circumstances and what he was facing. He said, shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord and not evil? He toiled throughout the book of Job. 42 chapters throughout the book of Job with his observation of what was close to him and what was near to him. Here was Job's list, if you will, of observation. I've lost my family. I've lost all of my children. I've, I've, I've lost my home. I've lost my status in the society, my socioeconomic status among the people. There's boils popping up left and right all over my body. I've sat in the dust and scraped them with uh, oh, broken off piece of pottery. My health is seemingly wrecked. This is Job's observation. This is what I see. This is what I hear. Even in so much that the Bible says that Job felt like he was estranged from all. 
from all other individuals, from everything that he had known in his life. When he speaks of his brethren, the Bible says that Job said his brethren, he said, seem to him as though they are far off from him. He said that his, his acquaintances are estranged from him. He even spoke about his own kinsfolk. He said, my kinsfolk have failed me in this hour. He goes on to speak about his familiar friends. He says, I feel like I've been forgotten, quarantined, if you will, isolated from my familiar friends. The maids of my own house seem alien to me. It seems like we're strangers. The servants, they don't acknowledge me. They, they are ignoring me. And, and, and my wife even speaks, my wife even seems strange unto me. And in that moment, it'd be very easy to question whether or not God had forgotten him. I mean, Lord, <laughs> the story that we know of, we see the whole thing in Job. Lord, this is the perfect upright Job we're talking about here. And yet it appears as though he's almost, he's being treated, it looks like, with evil. It looks like he is almost an enemy. Amen. Rather than a companion. Has Job been forgotten? Surely has Job been forgotten? I'm talking to people that's sitting in their living rooms in their homes tonight that at this period of time of life you may have felt like as you have at different times, amen, along the journey, but perhaps it is a little bit more prominent right now. Perhaps you are feeling like you are forgotten. Perhaps you are feeling, amen, as a child of God that you have been overlooked or that you have been blatantly ignored. You might have even went to task with God in prayer and say, God, don't you see your church? Don't you see your people? Don't you see our nation? Have you forgotten? about us God you created man in your very image in your likeness have you set him on a shelf over in obscurity don't you know what we're going through don't you know have you seen what we have seen haven't, haven't you heard what is happening our observations are all around us we're bombarded day after day have you forgot us God by all observations in Zechariah by all observations of those things that were near to them. Perhaps Israel was feeling that notion of having been forgotten by God. Because what Israel was seeing in this moment, what Israel was hearing in this moment, was nothing but defeat. As a result of their present circumstances, they were seeing and they were hearing and experiencing their reality in this moment seemed to be nothing but defeat. For the Bible tells us historically here that Jerusalem and its temple had lain in ruins for nearly 70 years, just as Jeremiah had foretold it would take place. It did happen. There are walls that are in ruins. The walls of Jerusalem are in ruins on the ground. All of these things, the temple has been, if you will, many things confiscated from it and it's left in a dilapidable type of state. It's been broken down. It, it's, uh, it's just a memory of what it once was. It, it's void of many things that it once had. But the Bible tells us in Scripture that King Cyrus had made a decree to, to free the captives in order to resettle in their homeland. And the Bible says about 50,000 individuals returned from Babylon uh, to Jerusalem, the homeland. And the Bible declares that immediately 
These people began to rebuild the temple and immediately they began to reconstruct the house of God. But that did not happen without opposition. That did not happen without a struggle from the outsiders. Amen. And from other circumstances that were surrounding them in their rebuilding efforts. And as a result of the opposition, as a result of the circumstances, the Bible says the work that they had put their hand to had come to a screeching halt it had stopped and then about 16 years later the Bible speaks of the the prophet Haggai that we have a book named after in the Old Testament he begins to stir up the people to start rebuilding again after they paused after they halted 16 years later he he begins to stir up the minds and the hearts of the people in the middle of observing that they have opposition and circumstances they're going to have to overcome he says let's start rebuilding again and then only about two months later after Haggai amen is Zechariah showing up and giving voice to and affirming that the people needed to continue to rebuild they needed to continue concerning the house of the Lord the temple of God and Zechariah begins to encourage the people he begins to encourage those that are still downtrodden by the Egyptian powers and, and the years of captivity that they had been under they had become captives now not just in the physical realm but they have become captives even in their own minds and their memories after 70 years of captivity they had become a doubtful people even about their own ability to rebuild in the middle of opposition in the middle of circumstances that were unfavorable and the bible tells us that though israel would be reestablished in the land and the temple would be rebuilt and Jerusalem would stand again it would be after a long 100 year process and all during that time she was never without strong oppositions against her and oppositions that reminded Israel of this one thing that Israel just coming back to her homeland doesn't have the soldiers that she once had. She doesn't have a, a equipped, marshaled, organized army as she once had. In their estimation, according to soldiers and army, as a nation, her strength was gone. By all of their observations, what they could see and what they could hear is that they were a forgotten people. But in that moment, God raises a Zechariah for encouragement for such a time. Zechariah is the Barnabas of the Old Testament. He is the son of consolation. He is the son of encouragement. See, what we must understand about Zechariah is that Zechariah was born in captivity. He was born in captivity, and yet he's constantly reassuring God's people, always through his book, about future blessings about what God is going to do in the distance in the future much of what Zechariah writes in his book it isn't about the present 
It isn't about the here and now, but he's oftentimes talking about the there and then. What is to happen? What is to come? Yes, we read in the book of Zechariah, he writes about the first coming of Jesus Christ whenever he was crowned with a crown of thorns. But he also talks to us about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ when he is crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords. The theme of the book of Zechariah can be remembered by the three Hebrew meanings of the names in verse number one. By the three meanings of the genealogy of Zechariah. The Bible once again tells us that the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah. And he does this more than one occasion in Zechariah. But the Lord comes unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Idu, the prophet saying. It always gives that little genealogy. We can remember the theme of this book by that genealogy. Zechariah's name means this. Whom the Lord remembers. Berechiah means this. The Lord blesses. Idu means this, at the appointed time. You put all those together and what you have is this. Whom the Lord remembers, the Lord blesses at the appointed time. Hallelujah. See, some of us may be somewhat like David. Amen. We may have not expressed it with our lips. We may have not given vocal volume to it. Amen. But we have pondered it perhaps over the past several weeks in our hearts, thinking as David even did at one point in time, has God forgotten me? David said, have I been forgotten like a dead man? Because the Bible teaches, you know, a dead man, there is no memory of him. After a while, it seems as though he just... He just goes over there into the abyss, totally forgotten. David saying, hey, well, have I been forgotten like a dead man? Or have I been forgotten like a broken vessel? You know, it's broken, it's discarded, it's put to the side. Have I been forgotten like that? Listen to me now, folks. Listen, whom the Lord remembers, the Lord blesses at the appointed time. The Bible says in Isaiah 49 and verse 14, a verse of scripture I wish to turn your attention to, it says, but Zion, Zion throughout the word of the Lord uh, was typical of the church, the church. He says, but Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. He's saying, if I can for, for the, the typology, the church said that the Lord's forsaken us, if I could put it in the plural. The Lord has forgotten us. He goes on in verse 15. The Spirit of the Lord says, Can a woman forget her sucking child? A child that, that is being nursed. That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Can a woman forget her sucking child? My, my wife uh, nursed both of our children. And let me tell you something. You cannot forget a sucking child. No, sir or ma'am. Uh, uh, every ever so many minutes it would seem Mariah was the worst she was a slow eater <clears throat> she was a slow eater and so whenever she finished eating it was about 45 minutes until she was going to eat again uh, you woke up in the morning with bags under your eyes Amen. And I remember getting her several occasions. You can't forget that little, that little wine in the night and just turn over as though it don't exist. You can't. He says, but he even goes on and says in verse 15, they, they may forget. He says, yet will I not forget these. I'm not going to forget Zion. 
I'm not going to forget. Can I tell somebody we have even a straightforward answer through typology of Zion in the church tonight that if you feel like God has forgotten you and forsaken you, he has told us explicitly in his word, I've not forgotten them. Regardless of however it may feel and what your current observation may be, I've come with the word of the Lord tonight. He has not forgotten us. He has not forgotten you. He goes on in verse 16. He says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. He's speaking in that terms of the woman. Can she forget her sucking child? Said, no, 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 no. They have graven thee upon the palms of the hands. It was customary. It was culture in that day that whenever women, mothers had their sons that would go away, amen, to serve in the army or serve for war or serve in fighting, that these women would in some fashion put some type of mark on their hands that reminded them of their boys. And the reason why they would do that because women of that hour were very industrious with their hands. They were constantly active with their hands. If it was grinding at the mill or whatever it may have been, they were constantly in the use of their hands. And as they would use their hands, they would look down and look at that mark of significance that they put there on their hands and it would remind them of that boy that although he's not here right now, Amen. He is still my son and he's out there. And it would be a constant reminder for them of their boys. Can I tell you the Lord, amen, has not forgotten us. The Lord has not forgotten the church. Amen. You say, well, Brother McGee, yes, yes. He's graven us as well upon the palms of his hands. When he went to Calvary, those nails that pierced the hands and the feet, they were placed there because of you and because of me. He's not going to forget us. He's not going to forsake us. If I may tonight, that would be an impossibility for God to forget his creation, his sons and his daughters, the ones that he gave blood and life for. Amen. The Bible says in New Testament scripture, Luke 12, it says in verse 6 and 7, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before God but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered God's doing subtraction daily for me fear not therefore and let me tell you something this whole video aspect is even bringing that more prominent to me when I see it on screen when the head goes down amen I'm trying to contend with all of this and that too and I'm telling you it's just hard he says the numbers of your head are numbered. Fear not, verse 7, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. In Jesus' time, you could buy two sparrows for a farthing. A very limited, diminutive value of money, a farthing. You could buy two sparrows for a farthing. Or, it was like, you know, but today, right now. You can get five sparrows for the price of four. You could get five sparrows sold for two farthings. You would think that if you had five, that it would that the price, you know, would, would, would increase. Amen. And it did, but you think it would even increase more than what it did. In reality, they got five sparrows for the price of four. In essence, they purchased four sparrows and an extra sparrow was thrown in. Because in reality, in their time, 
the sparrow was considered to be worthless. Such a small amount of money to pay for them. Anyway, they were considered to have no value. Yet Jesus, through Luke 12, 6 and 7, is telling us and letting us know. He says, not one of those sparrows of the five is forgotten before the Lord. In other words, it doesn't matter how worthless they may seem or how devalued a man that they are. Not one sparrow is forgotten. That which is purchased or unpurchased, not one of them is forgotten before God. No one is forgotten. No one is forsaken. Everyone matters to the Lord. So when the scripture through the genealogy of Zechariah tells us whom the Lord remembers, the Lord blesses at the appointed time. When scripture says, and that's, this is not just for Zechariah, but all throughout God's word primarily. When scripture says that God remembers, Note well, because it's not exactly possible as though God would forget, as in not remember. He may choose not to recall some things, but for God to really forget would almost be an impossibility against his nature. So when the scripture says God remembered, note well, it's not because he forgot. Remembering for God is not like remembering for us, you know. I remembered where my keys were is if I forgot where they were at to begin with. You know, I go to the refrigerator and I open the door and I stand there staring because I forgot what I was going to get. All right. And then, oh, it comes to me. I wanted cheese. I remembered. And so remembering for God is not like our remembering. When we remember, we're trying to recall something we forgot. But here's something important concerning God. When God, and the scripture states that God remembers, it is in the sense that God is on the verge or on the cusp of taking action on his promises. The Bible states in Genesis chapter number 8 that while the waters were still covering the earth and the ark was still yet at the mercy of the flood, the Bible says that God remembered Noah. That does not mean that God forgot about Noah and his family that was upon the ark. What that meant was God was about ready to come through concerning his promise that he had stated unto Noah. Whenever Sodom and Gomorrah were on the brink of being destroyed by fire and brimstone, the Bible states in that moment that God remembered Abraham and as a result of remembering Abraham, spared Lot on his behalf. God hadn't forgotten about Abraham but he was working a promise out of sparing Lot because he knew Abraham and was coming sure on a promise he was on the verge of acting whenever the Bible says that Rachel was barren and she wanted to bear children but she could not and she was struggling amen with the observation right in front of her I cannot have children the Bible recalls that God remembered Rachel and she conceived what is it God is acting upon a promise, acting upon behalf of his people. The nation of Israel, amen, bore a heavy burden of bondage.
bondage upon their shoulders when they were in Egypt. They had the rigor of labor of trying to make brick without straw. Amen. They had the hard taskmasters that were upon their back but in that very place where they probably felt like after 400 some odd years that they had been for God and forsaken by God. The Bible says that God remembered his covenant with their forefathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. What did that mean? God's on the verge of showing up with a deliverer and bringing them out of the house of bondage. God had not forsaken. God had not forgotten. Hallelujah. But he will remember and bless at the appointed time. Amen. Hallelujah. Even Hannah in the book of Samuel returning home from a season of worship, taunted, if you will, by the other wife of Elimelech, intimidating her because of her barrenness. But the Bible says God remembered Hannah. He had not missed a thing. He had not forgotten. He had not a slip of memory. No. But he's saying he's remembering her because he was on the verge of acting according to the time of life. She would have a son born from her womb. We see over and over again in Scripture God remembering. It speaks about him remembering covenants. It speaks about him remembering his mercy. It speaks about him remembering truth. About remembering holy promise. Think with me for a moment. If it says that God remembered truth if he ever forgot truth that would almost contradict just who he is in itself because he is truth but he remembered covenants he remembered mercy he remembered truth he remembered the holy promises and I'll throw in there tonight that he is remembering you he's not forsakening you when God remembers it's not because he's forgotten he's on the verge of acting in a sense he is Taking action in his promises concerning us. The penitent thief on the cross asked Jesus, as they were hanging there, remember me when you come into your kingdom. (laughs) It wasn't an issue really of being forgotten, but rather desiring that God would take action on his behalf. God would take action for him. So Zechariah, in his book, is supporting the people with his words. He's assuring them that they've not been forgotten. And his words would very soon become the lingering voice that they would hear during the 400 years between the Testaments. of No prophetic utterance. No prophetic voice. They would be the lingering voice of Zechariah that they would hear. Whom the Lord remembers, the Lord blesses at his appointed time. They were about ready to enter another session of time when they would probably wrestle around with the observation that was near to them and close to them. Where are you, God? (laughs) But the promise of God that he would bless, he would remember, would bless in the appointed time would enable them to be able to carry through what would seem like those dormant years, those times when, according to their observation, God is in, inactive. God is, not, God is not acting right now in our lives. There's something we must understand about God and his word and words. God's word and words are eternal. 
That's how the worlds were framed by the word of God. And they are still in harmony and the ebb and the flow and abide as they do because they are held not by a temporal word but an eternal word it is the word of God can I tell you today that God doesn't have to speak today for you right now because there's probably some past word that's from the past that's still lingering in our present that's enough to keep everything intact to keep everything abiding under the strength and the power of his word. If you're saying, Brother McGee, I need a fresh word. And I understand those moments of time. God, I, I need a fresh word. And Lord, we do here and there. But there's nothing wrong with an old eternal word. That still has within it all the vivaciousness and the power. Amen. And the light that it had when it was first spoken. And the capability of still holding and lingering and effective. Even for me in this generation that I live right now now so here they are and I'm hastening I'm trying to to a close so here is Israel they're, they are opposed in their rebuilding process they're opposed circumstances and situations making them feel lost and alone they are without they are without an army a marshaled army yet three times in verse 3 Zechariah refers to the Lord as the Lord of hosts. And I believe with purpose. It's mentioned in 1 Samuel. We don't really see any mentioning of the Lord of hosts. Really prior to 1 Samuel. But in 1 Samuel it is mentioned. The Lord of hosts. Because there is a transition taking place during that time. From uh, the theocracy to the monarchy. From, from God having been their king. And the people willing that they would have a king like other nations around them to be their king. And, and so with this comes a, a marshaled army. Men and women. Or men rather. Uh, of certain ages to be uh, conscripted to an army for the nation of Israel. Amen. But the Bible says that Zechariah is speaking of the Lord as the Lord of hosts. When we consider hosts, the scripture refers to there being a host of stars. There's hosts of angels. There's hosts of armies of men. And the Lord was the Lord of hosts. H-O-S-T-S. He's the Lord of all the hosts. In other words, he's the master of the universe. He has the stars at his command. He has angels at his command. He has, if you will, mortal man at his command. And so Israel, fret not. You don't feel like you have a marshaled army, but you have the Lord. And the Lord is the Lord of hosts, stars, angels, even mortal man. You may lack an army, but your God is the Lord of hosts. And he has an army that he can marshal at any point in time, at the appointed time, if you will, when he remembers you in order to bless you. I come to a close tonight, and I leave you with these words for Musicians could come. You're not forgotten. You're not forsaken. Whenever you read the Bible, there are many times, you know, more than one individual that's named Paul or Saul, more than one individual, you know, named this or that. Many times uh, a person's name or a character's name in Scripture is seen in more than one place and it's not always the same person it may be a different person and so whenever we consider Zechariah 
there were around, from my estimation, there were around 30 or so people throughout God's word that was named Zechariah throughout the scriptures. And so it was important in the book of Zechariah to distinguish the heritage of this particular Zechariah. It was important to distinguish the parentage of this particular Zechariah. And within that genealogy and that parentage became the resounding message that we offer to you tonight. Zechariah, whom the Lord remembers, Berechiah, the Lord blesses, Idu, at the appointed time. Sir, ma'am, world, nation, state of Illinois, community, however you wish those circles, how far out you wish to take them or close in, we need to take them. We are not forgotten. Whom the Lord remembers, he'll take action on. He will bless at the appointed time. I know it's hard to see tomorrow in the face of today. I know it's hard to see any normalcy beyond the chaotic uh, situations and circumstances that we are currently living in and under. Amen. But somebody needs some hope tonight. Somebody needs some encouragement tonight. Let me be a Zechariah, if you will, for your time and encourage you. You've not been forsaken. You've not been forgotten. The Lord knows your exact location upon this map. He knows the coordinates of your life. He knows what you're facing and contending with. He is not ignorant of any of those things. It has not slipped his mind. But he will remember us and he will bless us at the appointed time. Would someone just put their hand to their ear and listen for what may be out in the distance? Would somebody lift their eyes above the plane of where they're living? them to the sky if you will in a distance you might see nothing right now and that might provide nothing but more discouragement and emphasizing what you feel about where you are and what's going on right now but I'm asking you look again look again and look again because there's a sound in the distance it's saying parched ground right now but in the distance it's saying rain hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's saying death and discouragement and despair right now. But in the distance, it's saying hope. It's saying a replenishing. It's saying there's a period coming to the very end of this sentence and phrase that's taking place right now. God has not forgotten. You are not forgotten. Sir or ma'am, you need to put your trust in the Lord right now. Put your, put your confidence in God. Put your confidence in God. If you've ever had any confidence, if you've ever set it up on any object right now, amen, you need to put it in the Lord. He's not forgotten. He will act. He will act. He will come through at the appointed time. I don't know when that time is. It's appointed. I don't know when it's going to occur, when it's going to happen tonight. The Lord's not re- Revealed anything. I'm not standing here as the prophet or the son of a prophet saying it's on this date. It's all going to be over. No, no, no. But there is in the timetable of heaven. Amen. And the eternal, the God, the eternal God that looks through the spans of past, present, and future. There's an appointed time. He's not forgotten me. Will you raise your hand right there wherever you may be in your home right now? 
with the reassurance and the confidence I've not been forgotten by he's graven me on the palm of his hands we're quickly approaching resurrection Sunday next this coming next Sunday he's not forgotten you hallelujah he's not forgotten you when he came forth amen he went back to his disciples had them handle him and see that he was the one because the nail prints were still there they were there still yet the woundings if you will of Calvary he's not forgotten you he's not forgotten you oh let your voice be raised to heaven right now for a God that has remembered a God that will act in the appointed time and bless worship him right now thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.